0: (音楽) Thank (音楽) you.
1: is wondering what that audio track is that is the intro now to the audio side of behind the podcast from dj bink brizzy also known as mike west straight out of philadelphia and uh i've been talking to him for a little bit and asked him to see if he can put a couple tunes together for us so on the audio side just like we do on the video side the video side of course we have a normal sports intro so now we have our nice intro going into the audio version of it. So hopefully everyone enjoyed it. And that's not the only one. So it will be a mix of it next couple of weeks. You guys will hear a different, a uh, couple of different audio tracks, and then we'll leave it up to you, your listeners, and you guys can vote which one you like the most. And that will be the one that we'll stay with permanently. But that was, again, uh, thanks to and part of DJ Bink Brizzy, uh, also known as Mike West out of Philadelphia. And on his Twitter handle, you guys can follow him on DJ Bink, B-I-N-K, Brizzy, B-R-I-Z-Z-Y on Twitter. And, and again, just both of us reached out to each other, collaborate a little bit, and he came up with that little R O RO2. So hopefully, I, and the guys here on the panel, hopefully you guys liked it. Yes, I'm getting nodding heads. Uh, no audio? Word up. There you go. Good That's stuff. So uh, thanks to, again, to, to Mike West. We appreciate it. Um, Tonight on the show, so everyone, of course, can download the audio of it the following day. Sometimes it is available the same day. but well, most of the times we release it at 9 o'clock the following day. So Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock, you guys and girls will be able to download it from iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So just pretty much Google will show up and it should bring it up. Also, if you go to Broad Street South, broadstsouth.com, you can click on the links on the RSS feed that you'll see next to the video camera portion in the center part of the website. Also on the upper left-hand corner on iTunes, you'll see it right next to it is Spotify. So three different ways you can listen to the audio side version of it and not just the audio side. We're up to what Sherman, correct me if I'm wrong, episode 39 now on the podcast.
0: I believe that our upcoming episode is going to be number 40 on Thursday night. So 39 will be correct. I'll double check that a little bit later, but that sounds right.
1: Okay, well, if you guys, as we like to say, and, and matter of fact, we have a uh, Dallas official here, that he's going to be coming on with momentarily, but um, if you guys are taking a road trip, wherever you might be going, wherever you're traveling, even if you're just doing maybe a barbecue around the, you know, around the house, you can always listen to the full version of the show. So if you don't have time to watch us on a replay, or maybe you're not near, you know, if you don't want to burn the battery out on your phone or your computer because you don't have the time. Download the audio portion of it, and you can catch the entire show on the audio download version as well. So, again, available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So, tonight is pretty much a combination of just a couple things going on. Obviously, the NFL. Uh, Eagles haven't done much this week. It's been a pretty quiet week for the most part, and it would be because there's not much action going on. Today, of course, is pro day. Um, I don't know if anybody got a chance to see a bunch of of some of the workouts, Justin Fields. I know he had his uh, pro day today. We also, of course, have the NCAA game tonight, and which is Gonzaga and who, Sherman? USC. And currently the score is?
0: 52-32, to 32, Gonzaga's leading USC with 18 minutes and 45 seconds to go in the second half.
1: 52-32. Yeah. So Gonzaga is probably, yeah, you're you're probably right. Gonzaga's probably going to end up taking that. Uh, Running away with it. And I'm going to hit this for a second and then bring it back. Um, So let me bring this back here because I want to make sure I I brought that back. So the other reason why we're on tonight as well, also the Phillies, of course, are two days away from opening day. The boys returned back home last night to Philly. So in case you missed it, there is a video out there on the Phillies uh, handle on Twitter. And you can see, I believe it was five or six tour buses that came in that brought the boys back into town. I'm pretty sure the weather is much cooler than it is down here in Florida. So it's the adjustment period that you go from the warm 80 to 90 degree weather that we've had here for the past week or two back up to the, I would assume what today was back uh, 60s back home, 56 yep. maybe.
0: Yeah, about 60, 65. Seasonable, but it's going to be colder come opening day on Thursday.
1: Okay. So Phillies make their transition back to being in The regular spring-like temperatures, put it that way. And we're hoping that the Phillies end up winning just because, ironically, they do play on April Fool's Day. We hope that they actually win on April Fool's versus losing on April Fool's. But we'll see. Again, it's a long season, so we'll see exactly what ends up happening. But tonight also we want to say congratulations to a gentleman who's been standing by to tell us everything that has happened to him in his young career. And I met this young gentleman, Jose Solis at the NFL Experience, and we had a fantastic conversation, and ironically, same place where I met Nicholas Lisi, who just joined the team as a beat writer here last week. He was all with us last Thursday. He'll be back on with us again this Thursday, and he's writing his second article, and by the way, if you guys want to read the fantastic article that he has written, again, go to our website, broadstreetself.com. Excuse me for the voice, getting a little bit raspy because it's been a long day, but it's on broadstreetself.com. Check out the article he put out there, and it's a comparison to the later rounds of the guys coming through the draft. It's a great article to read. So when you guys and girls get time, please go to broadstreetsoft.com if you're listening here on the audio. But Jose Solis. So I met Jose, and we must have spoken. I'm going to go – Jose, it must have been – it felt like, truthfully, an hour. But it might have been like 15, 20 minutes that we were out there talking. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. was that.
2: Uh, oh, no, you, were, you want me to go ahead or –
1: yeah. Well, I'll tell you right here. So, and I'll, I'll have you tell the rest of the story here momentarily. So Jose got to, he was able to experience, by the way, Super Bowl 55, which I thought myself was a huge honor that those guys and girls from the universities were able to do that. And, and they all looked excited. Like they were ready to go. Um, great job, by the way, Jose, you and the rest of the gang are out there for the NFL experience. It was, I mean, beyond safe, so much fun, so clean. I, I probably couldn't have had a better time other than when we hosted it in Philadelphia, but it was so nice. So thanks to you guys and girls that were out there, we appreciate it because the NFL fan experience was beyond perfect, except for uh, the other two guys that didn't get a chance to experience it. But you know, Bucks end up winning. I'm not a Bucks fan by any means, but the Bucks end up winning. I'm down here, and since I've been down here, ironically, the Rays almost won the World Series, but the Lightning won the Stanley Cup, and now the Bucks win the Super Bowl. So who knows? And, and the Lightning looks like they, they may be making their second run again for Stanley Cup champs. So. Don't know. It's a lot of exciting things going on here in Tampa. But Jose is one of four guys and girls that were from I Am Living Sport that was congratulated with for landing new roles away from what their actual – well, part of what they studied as far as their major, they were able now to start landing the roles that they want to be in, and they're not done yet, especially like when it comes to Jose, Nicholas – to Hannah and Ryan. They're all featured, and if anybody wants to take a look at it, it's uh, I Am Living Sport, and it'll show new jobs, and it'll have the um, the one lady, Hannah, and then Ryan, Nick, and Steven, and it'll show exactly where they land and Of course, uh, Nicholas landed with us here at brought Shots, and we appreciate him coming on with us as a beat writer, and he'll gain experience, which will then open up other doors for Nick. So great job again on the first article. The next article, well, he wanted to write another one. So he's got two days to do an opening day saga uh, article. So that should be interesting to see if he can get it done in uh, two days. But I'm pretty sure Nick can. But when it comes to Jose, so Jose, you are not originally from Arizona, but you did attend Arizona. So I will let you let folks know which university, how you end up getting into the business, and then where you have today, because you have some actually exciting news to drop for us. So Jose, take it away.
2: Yeah, so um, I was born in Denver, Angel, um, but I moved down to Arizona when I was four years old. So basically, I've been from that place my whole life, and I'm still living here to this day. I um, live in Gilbert, which is about, depending on how traffic goes, uh, about half an hour, 45 minutes south of Phoenix, but it's within the general area. So um, I did go to Arizona State University. They've had they've had they've had some notable alumni that uh, in both basketball and football. I mean, of course, uh, Mr. James Harden. Uh, he's is uh, up in Brooklyn right now. Um, as far as football goes, uh, there was um, there was Demarius Randall who was was with Cleveland right now, or he was with Cleveland last time I checked. But um, yeah, we've had we've had some uh, good um, uh, people in the past. And, uh, hopefully I can, uh, continue that, uh, string of success because, uh, the school in particular that I went to the Walter Cronkite school of journalism, uh, Al Michaels went there. So, uh, you, you see that guy every Sunday night. So, um, really? th- yeah, that, that's, a that's, uh, that's the standard. That's the standard, uh, me and everybody else has to get up to, you know? Um, but I studied, I studied sports journalism at Arizona state and, um, what I really would like to do one day is, uh, play by play stuff. So, again, Al Michaels, I gotta get up. I gotta get up to him. So, um, but being part of the Super Bowl experience with a living sport that was really exciting, and it, bringing on Nick, of course, Angel. That's um, that's great for him too, especially especially with uh, where he where he goes to school, Clemson. Because there's no there's arguably no better place to be for college footballs besides Alabama, if, if uh, than Clemson. So. He's in, he's in a really good place. And, um, a lot of us, a lot of us, um, we came to the Super Bowl because we wanted to get that experience. We wanted to, we wanted to see what, what the game was itself in person. And, right. and, it, and it's not just about the game, of course. And I, I'm sure Nick probably talked about this too. It wasn't just about the game itself, but it was about establishing context and whatnot. And Angel, you of course are one of the contacts that I made there. And I'm, Very fortunate that I am thankful that you brought me on here to talk about this stuff. And so back home now in Arizona, um, I just got an internship with the Arizona Rattlers in their media department. Now, if any of you are, if any of you listening are familiar with uh, indoor football, then this probably will probably be more uh, something that makes sense to you. So indoor football, it's basically half the field of an NFL field, but the scoring is nonstop. You are going to get a, a shootout guaranteed every single time, and it is pure adrenaline. And I've been to a couple of Rat Wars games myself when when I was younger. The Arena Bowl uh, years ago, I think it was in 2011. Uh, Jacksonville, the Jacksonville had a franchise. Orlando did too, but um, Jackson. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the Jacksonville Sharks are still around, but um, uh, boy, oh boy, that was a ridiculous barn burner of a game, and the the Sharks beat the Rat Wars. With like three seconds left in that game, that remains in my mind as one of the most tense moments in of sports that I've seen. And again, I've been – I just was at this last Super Bowl. You, you can't think of a grander stage than that, right? But seriously, indoor football is more exciting than people – than most people might realize. And the Rattlers in particular, Angel, the, if you ask me, they're the most successful professional franchise that, that this – that the state of Arizona has had you've had the Suns around for years of course the D-backs since the 90s Cardinals for a long time as well but how many of those out of all three of those teams oh and plus the Coyotes out of all four of those teams only one championship of course 2001 the D-backs but the Rattlers have been one of the most successful franchises that the state has had they've had at one point they had three straight championships championship wins from 2012 to 2014. And the first year that they joined the IFL, they won the whole thing. So this is a team that knows success, that knows how to play, and not to mention the fact that um, their coach is also their general manager, plus he's also the owner of the team down in Tucson, the Sugar Skulls. So if he can, if, if he is, if he can bring his influence down to Tucson – um indoor football is is pretty much going to be a staple for life here um uh, for both the Rattlers and the Sugar Skulls um also I, I probably should have mentioned like the Merc I should have mentioned the Mercury because I mean besides I think besides the Rattlers the Mercury are the most successful sports franchise um in the state of Arizona three championships for uh Tarassi and company but no I'm I'm really excited to be part of the Part of the Rattlers organization uh, uh, through a friend of mine, he was able to give me this break, and so I really got to bust my tail off in order to convince the Rattlers to uh, that um, I'm very I'm, I'm a little too important to let go, and uh, we're, we'll we'll be providing social media coverage. We'll be providing uh, like highlights of practice and whatnot. We'll be going down to Tucson like once or twice a week as well. So there's if you if you're still on the fence about uh, indoor football you really should check it out depending on where you live um I don't know if the Philadelphia soul are still a team or not um, I remember sure. that I remember they they played they've played the rattlers a couple of times in the when the at the championship level but um indoor football is ridiculously fun you 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 really you really shouldn't be on your phone if you are then I'm not sure what is going to convince you to uh, for some entertainment because it is. It is really quick. It's fast, and by the time everything's said and done, you won't realize how 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 quick that game went by because there's just scoring nonstop, um, and I'm I'm happy to be part of it. I really am. It, uh, this is the this uh, I want to make this the first the first real break for me. You know, because, um, it's uh, pandemic aside, it's just it's been really difficult to find uh, to find some jobs to find space out here after graduating from. Arizona state. Um, right. I've had, I've had a lot of great experiences at ASU part of the Cronkite school and I wouldn't trade that for anything else. But now that, uh, I'm out there, it's, um, this is some, this is something I hope that can be a start because again, like I've said, the Rattlers are just so fun to watch. They really are. And, uh, I don't know where else this might take me, but I'm, hap- I'm happy to find out uh, along the way. So, and being here, being here with you, Angel. This is, this is great, too. I'm, I'm, I'm excited that – I'm happy that you decided to bring me on, and I'm glad I can help out whichever way I can.
1: No, and we appreciate it as well. And, and the, the one thing about the Arena Football League, so the, the Philadelphia Soul went back-to-back champions. And, and actually, they were the ones just at the same time Villanova won the NCAA title – the so end up going back to back, which actually got things rolling in Philly because then that same or following year the Eagles end up winning the Super Bowl. So yeah, believe me, it, it's it's super exciting for sure when it comes to the Football league. But we like to, of course, congratulate you in your position. I'm pretty sure you're gonna do fantastic as well as we spoke at the NFL experience here in Tampa. You're gonna do a fantastic job, and I'm pretty sure they're gonna see the same thing that I saw in you the day we talked. So congratulations to you. To Hannah, Stephen, and Nick, all, all you guys, it's it's incredible where you guys are at least are at today. And again, many doors are going to open, so don't don't think by any means that your ceiling is here because you guys, you Nick, everyone else, you guys are going to do fantastic. As a matter of fact, I had to go chase our sports contributor out of the Arena Football League because he was actually taking time during his spring break to see how the guys and girls were doing. So of course, I can't forget the guy, the sidekick, the Shermanator himself. Mike Sherman, I pulled him out of street break. Mike, how are you this evening?
0: I am doing fantastic. And the question that I have for everybody who's listening tonight is about the number 17. And I bring up the number 17 because as, as Broad Street South focuses primarily on the four major sports teams in Philadelphia, which 17 is going to have a bigger impact? Reese Hoskins? Or the NFL now moving to a 17-game season remains to be seen. It'll be quite interesting, and I'm really looking forward to the discussions that we have either on this show or on Thursday night about how we feel about the 17-game football season as opposed to 16 and how Reese Hoskins is going to end up uh, performing this year. But, Jose, I'd just like to say to you in regards to everything that you just spoke about, first of all, congratulations on your opportunity and never make light of the fact of the fact that you were involved with this Arena Football League. It might not be one of the four major sports, but there is a market for Arena Football. Just like the WWF or the WWE or soccer or anything that's not sports related. You think about these Comic-Cons, right? 20 to 25 years ago, Comic-Con might not have been a really popular thing. But now it is a really popular thing. And you're covering something in the Arena Football League, which might not be the four major sports, but somewhere down the road, it may become increasing in popularity. And until that time comes, there's still going to be a following for it. So it's fantastic that you're a part of this at such a young age. I just want to ask one question to you, because I don't know a whole lot about Arena Football. Do you think that the athletes in the Arena Football League are good enough to actually play in the National Football League.
2: Well, um, I, it's interesting that you mentioned that, mentioned that because um, a long time ago, um, when when I was younger and I started um, attending Rattlers games um, uh, um, occasionally, um, there was a. This was around the time when the NFL had its lockout, and um, this uh, there was there was a there was a fellow from the Cleveland Browns who was just idling his time. I can't, my, his name escapes me, but he was with the Browns. And he came down to Arizona while he was waiting in the meantime for the season to pick back up to uh, resurrect itself. And boy, howdy, did he contribute or what? That guy was a laser coming out of the. Quite literally, a pinball coming out of the coming out of the backfield. And if any of you if any of you have seen indoor football a couple of times, there always has to be a receiver in motion prior to the snap. So that fluidity, going as fast as this guy did and he, when he would catch touchdowns it was a thing of beauty so obviously he was he, he is he was nfl talent but i don't think i ever saw him in a cleveland jersey so maybe i so he might have been on the practice squad but there's definitely there's definitely the possibility if you if these guys work mm-hmm. hard enough mm-hmm. that maybe an nfl team could like could notice them because a lot of times you have people who were on practice squads for the NFL. They might have been drafted or they were cut. So this is their alternative option. So just because they may not be on the same level as some of the guys that you see regular on an NFL team doesn't mean that they're doesn't mean that they're that they're worse or not. So like um, case in point, I don't know if Matt Elam is a familiar name to any of you guys, but he used to be on the Ravens. Now, if memory serves correctly, he's one of the latest signings for the mm-hmm. Tucson team that I was talking about. So he's yeah, I mean, yes, he's a bit on the back burner and whatnot, but obviously he can still play if he's signing with a, if he's signing with an indoor football team. So these guys definitely have the talent, but it's just a question of pushing themselves past the other players that are on their on the on NFL teams that are already established that. You know, are going to are are going to be on the screen every Sunday afternoon. It's just it, it's just that difficult, and sometimes maybe they just don't have the threshold. Maybe they just maybe they just don't have it as much as some of these other players. But that's not to say that they can't make it in the NFL. And for a lot of these guys, um, as a matter of fact, I did a I did I actually did a package for a friend of mine who does local sports here. Um, he talked to uh, one of the players for the Radwers, and he's actually. Pretty happy with being where he is as a Rattler. He's, he, I mean, he was born here. He was born in Arizona, and p- being a hometown hero, it's it's a different, unique feeling when you're playing for a team like the Rattlers. Um, and he enjoys it. He really does enjoy it. Like we, uh, like a lot of the guys that are here, they're happy. They're happy with where they are. They're playing football. They're playing for the love of the game. Sure, they're not making as much money as like say J.J. Watt, uh, who uh, who's just Came into town, might I add. Um, but they're having fun. If nothing else, they're lo- they love what they do. They really do love what they do.
1: What well, I I've, I know like again, I, I was fortunate enough before I moved down to Tampa that I, I was able to go to the Arena Football League games, and I, and I I really liked it. First of all, you can never ever go unless you're going back to 1960 when the first Super Bowl was about 10 bucks. You can catch an actual championship game at an arena football league for the same exact price because when they, when the Philip Fasol went to the bowl and won it, it's all the paint was 10 bucks, it was absolutely fantastic, it had a great experience. So, yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to it. Of course, the arena football league, they're waiting to see what's going to happen. I don't think this year they're going to have, and, and I could be wrong because normally they've already had the season kicked off, but they're waiting to see, I guess, all the, all the COVID. Protocols before it's safe for them to be able to because they're a lot more closer than obviously an NFL field. So they're not able to get, you know, the season going like they normally would, because by now we'd we'll be looking almost towards mid part of the AFL season, if I remember correctly. So, but it'll be it'll be uh started momentarily, of course. The other guy that we love to have on that fills in for Fuji. Fuji, by the way, is still on assignment. He'll should be back in studio come next week. So we, we hope Fuji the best, and he's clear across the country. Well, he'll come back with some interesting information for us. But filling in for him, of course, is the – I, I want to call him now the legend, just because of his voice alone, the legend that is Ryan Neff. Ryan, how are you?
3: <laughs> Gentlemen, it's so happy to be here with you this evening to see uh, new faces and what they're doing and coming up and getting the process started. I've always said it doesn't matter where you start. You've got to start somewhere and work your way up. Just like um, uh, – what's the name of the Miami Heat coach? Um, Eric Eric Spoltras. Right. Started off as a videographer. (laughs) You know, so it doesn't matter where you start in an organization, just as long as you get that start. Um, It is very true. It's it's, it's great to see these two gentlemen, you know, following – Passion or just for fun or just just doing it because that's what you went to school for. Uh, but, you know, I remember it took me forever to get into sports radio way back in the day. I was in, in college. I went for radio and TV and communications. And when I was in college, it was a thing to be in. When I got out of college, guess what? <laughs> Wasn't the thing to be in. And it literally took me like 10, 15 years. You know, back then we used to send out cassette tapes. Um, so it just, it, it, you, and you're never too old and you're never too young to get your start. So to see these two gentlemen on with us, it's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. That's yeah,
1: true. And, and, uh, Jose, I don't, I don't know if you remember cassette tapes or not. I'm pretty sure the family must have them around at one point or another, but, uh, yeah, it was, if you want to throw it I mean, way back next to cassettes were our good old floppy disc if you owned a Commodore 64. So yeah, it evolution has come a long, a long, long way. And, and of course I don't want to forget As well, of course, our primary sponsor of the show that were absolutely fantastic. Loving having them on. It is Fans of Philly. And now the baseball season is two days away from opening day. You guys can go to fansofphilly.com and you can see the upcoming road trips. They have one in Boston, which should be a lot of fun, and as an entire weekend package, and they have the package listed on the website. Also with the New York, I guess, I I, well, I can call them Stankies because it's second exactly what they are anyway. The New York Yankees. So, you can go to the New York Yankees and you can take a look as well. They'll have a package together so you guys can go up to the Bronx and check out a Yankees game. But, again, fansofphilly.com. You guys go out and you can also go through the link on our website, broadstreetself.com, or you can email joe at fansaffilly.com. But, wait, there's more. You can also call them at 610-517-7171, 610-517-7171, and just reach out to them and tell them, hey, I'm thinking about taking a road trip with the Phillies or the Flyers. And better yet, the Eagles season, when it kicks off again, we may be doing a road show in Vegas. So stay tuned for that because there might be a big package going on there, and that should be a lot of fun. So we'll see. We're trying to put all that stuff together. But, again, visit fansofphilly.com. We would appreciate it. And uh, last but not least, so, you know, we, we as much as we say Dallas sucks and we say it all the time, of course, we have videos all the time that shows everybody screaming Dallas sucks. We did it at Tampa Joe's back in the day. Um, but we do have a representative from the Dallas Cowboys, and he's starting to get his feet wet in it, soon to be the general manager of the Dallas Cowboys, we have tonight in the house Austin Kiefer. Austin, how are you? I'm hey, great, Angel. Thanks for having me on. Uh
4: I am very excited to defend my Cowboys against these Eagle <laughs> fans. I've been listening in and you guys get you guys get to say whatever you want, but it stops now. All right. <laughs> so I got the Cowboys back. And uh yeah, I think uh might have some backing from Jerry Jones, but we'll get into that later. Uh, but I'm happy to be here with you guys and um, back my Cowboys up because obviously they need a, some help right now.
1: <laughs> it's okay. Listen, we we understand it. and and so Austin, Austin, Jake, Kim, his mom, Tim, his dad, Hillary. So, um, you know when you have to pick, you know when you're in the schoolyard, Jose, and just so you can get involved as well here, so. You know, when you, you have your teams, you're in school, and then you everybody lines up. So you have maybe, you know, five versus five for, for football there, flag football in the yard. And you know when you have to – you have like the last kid, and it's like, all right, I'll take, you know, whatever, Timmy, you're it. So the kefers right, they put all these dames in a hat – and so when they pulled the last one out, that was it. It was a Cowboys, and that's how they became Cowboys fan. That's the story I'm going to tell, but that's not the actual story. <laughs> but no, I get to. It's fun because I do get to talk smack with Jake and uh, with Austin, of course, and and we all have fun with it. Believe me, because as much as I can rub it into them, they give me the business as well when the Eagles end up losing. But it, it's a lot of fun. I'm glad to have Austin on board. Uh, so he can give us a daily wrap when it comes to, to the Cowboys, and so he's he's starting to get into it. And it's going to be a lot of fun to to watch them progress throughout the season as well. So that will be our Dallas rep. And the the goal is, of course, is trying to have, of course, during the regular season, we're on an hour and a half prior to the game for our pregame show. And normally we talk to the team that week of whom we're playing. This year might be a little bit differently. We might be able to talk to – teams within the division before the game starts maybe get a little two minute you know wrap about what they plan on as far as this week within the division to win but again that's something that Sherman Fuji and the rest of the game will all talk about at some other time but you know the show as the it'll come up in a year we're expanding it obviously we've got our .com up we've got our podcast up as far as the audio version of it so we'll continue to build the brand and get bigger as you guys can see where we switch from Pro uh, Street Style sports talk there. To Broad Street South. And it's just because we're getting into so many different things that it's going to be a lot of fun. So, hopefully, everyone will hang around and enjoy the show as well. But so we know, Sherman, there has been much Eagles talk this week, and it's been pretty quiet for the most part. We haven't <laughs> heard too many grumblings. We're trying to see what's going to happen at number 12, other than the big splash between Miami and San Francisco. So, I guess I'll, I'll lay it out to you first. So, we, we talked about on a, you know, kind of like a mock draft that we ended up doing about two weeks ago. And we talked about where the Eagles were at, at that time at the number six pick and Kyle Pitts being the one that hopefully everyone's going to pick him. Now the Eagles slide down to 12. Does this hurt the Eagles organization as far as what we talked about that need someone on the O-line? Or now are we thinking that the Eagles are going to go defensively with that number 12 pick?
0: Well, at number 12, it's going to be very difficult to get that cornerstone piece. I think at number six, if you had drafted Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts or even taken a chance with a quarterback and get Jalen Hurts out of Philadelphia, you could have potentially gotten that cornerstone pick with number six. And as Ryan talked about on the show last week, the Eagles are not going to the Super Bowl this year. They're not going to the Super Bowl next year. And they're probably (laughs) not going to the Super Bowl in three years from now. So they really need to start to stockpile picks. I personally would have stayed at six so that you can get that corner of the puzzle. Somebody who's going to be with the team hopefully for eight to ten years. The thing that bothers me the most about the Eagles moving down to 12 in this move is the fact that the Dallas Cowboys select 10 and the New York Giants select 11. So both of those teams within the division have the potential of undercutting the Eagles, selecting a player at 10 or 11 who the Philadelphia Eagles were trying to eye up. And if either one of those teams hit on that player, that could be somebody who the Eagles are having to deal with for the next Eight to 10 years, so I do not like the move. Uh, it remains to be seen what will happen. Howie Roseman has had a terrible track record of drafting players outside of Carson Wentz, who got us the only one Super Bowl that we have. So, moving down six spots, I'm not so sure that that is the answer. I would much rather control the cards and say, Hey, here's who we're picking Dallas and Giants, deal with it rather than saying oh, we're picking 12, and we'll have to deal with who the Cowboys selected at 10 and who the Giants selected at 11. I think they're in a little bit of trouble here. And just like I've said, in order to really get better, I think that they're going to have to pull that rubber band way back and let it go. And as I see in uh, the chat that we have going on, yes, Nick Foles did get us the Super Bowl in the playoffs. I agree with that 100%. But Carson Wentz was having an MVP season – up until that point until he got hurt in the game against the Rams look I'm not taking anything away from Nick Foles but Carson Wentz had a great season up until that point and I know I'm so looking forward to the Eagles Dallas rivalry that we're going to have and as much of trash talking as we're going to have back and forth and Dallas Cowboys are such a mainstream team all over the United States of America right the bottom line at the end of the day The Philadelphia Eagles have a lot of problems to fix themselves. And for all this trash talking that we do, according to my mathematics records, because I am a mathematics teacher, the Dallas Cowboys have five rings and the Philadelphia Eagles have one. And we need to get over it at some point, you know, get our act together before we're worried about what the Cowboys are doing. And if you watch one of the earlier episodes – when the Eagles played the Cowboys the second time of the season, I guaranteed that the Philadelphia Eagles were going to win that game, and boy, was I wrong. Yep, I said it. Boy, was I wrong. I'm going to man up. I said I guaranteed they were going to win, and they lost.
1: Listen, but it, it's okay. To, and, Ryan, I'm going to get you here in, in a second. But, it, it's listen, no, no matter what, yes, I understand they do have five rings. And, yes, I also understand they only have that one solitary one. but. I will say this much. The last time the Cowboys won the Super Bowl, if I remember correctly, the VCR was the number one item in America, if we want to go back that far, 25 years. And the gentleman that's in the green room here with me, I don't think he even knew what a VCR was way back when, if <laughs> I remember correctly. So, uh, Austin, before I get to Ryan here, we, we know because we, we love to tease Dallas fans. It's just the way in the working. We have a lot of fun with you guys because it, it's to your own expense. The only thing I will say, which I was advocating, and and these guys know as well, is that I was hoping that Dallas did the right thing, which was to sign Dak Prescott, which they did. I think that's huge for you guys because I know it's going to be not so big for us, but I wanted Dak to be paid, and I think more than your Ezekiel Elliott running back, for what he did to him, I think hurt Dak's chances and almost actually got him knocked off because Andy Dalton was brought in, and I don't believe it was supposed to be a one-year commitment when it came to Andy. I think that was supposed to have been the actual signing of Andy Dalton. But I think Dak Prescott's agent finally made the push. Like, either listen, we got other teams that are interested. We want to see what you guys are going to offer. And they finally made the offer. So coming from the Dallas camp, is it more exciting now that they finally have Dak Prescott locked in for at least for the next four years, $136 million, if I remember correctly? And to me, when are you guys getting rid of Ezekiel Elliott? Because I think he's the biggest cancer that you guys have on that squad.
4: Yeah, so as a Cowboys fan, signing Dak was a little bit of a breath of fresh air because we, we, as Cowboys fans, we like, we like Prescott. He came in after Romo, and he really filled in the shoes, if not took it to another level with his play. So... I'm a big fan of Dak, and I'm glad we signed him. I didn't want to be like the other team's Eagles going through these quarterbacks here and there and not really sure if they're going to pan out or not. We know what Dak is. We know that, you know, he's, he's going to be productive. And with Zeke, I think Jerry treats some of his players like his kids, right? Yeah. He drafted Zeke. He gave him a big payday, and so I think he's going to ride that train to the bus station or ride that train to the station. I think he's going to just ride the contract out, and Zeke will not get repaid after that contract. I think that's what's going to happen with him.
1: All right, fair enough. So then my my follow-up question would be then, I, I again, I'm not a super fan, and I don't know if the rest of these guys are not. Uh, but when it comes to Mike McCarthy and Jose, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to ask you the same question as well. You can you can join on this one, but Mike McCarthy, I don't think was the actual answer for the Cowboys. I still to this day believe that that was the dumbest mistake, other than many more than Jerry Jones have done. But I don't think that he's he was he, he should have been there. I know that obviously your former coach got a lot of you know grief for it. I know he went to New York. It's good possibility he may become a head coach again, you know, at some point. I think the Eagles almost end up actually reaching out to him. But in in your own opinion, do you believe that Mike McCarthy is anywhere even remotely of winning you guys another Super Bowl championship?
4: No, no, I don't. I don't think he was the answer, and uh, I, I I don't know. I don't know if he can really lead us to the Super Bowl again or to the Super Bowl at all. Uh, The one time he did go was with Aaron Rodgers. Right. And uh, a lot of people weren't sure if they were giving Aaron too much credit or Mike too much credit. Um, But now that Mike is here, I think what really set the tone for me is when he came in uh, you know, with this reputation, Oh, I'm saying, you know, he's a offensive guru, whatever. He's been bunkered down for two years in his little cabin, you know, doing analytics and whatnot. But one of his first moves he made is that he kept our offensive coordinator. Um, I don't know why it's slipping my mind right now. Um, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore, thank you. Yeah, when he kept Kellen Moore on, that was a big red flag for me. Um, I think that's when I knew he was probably not the answer for us. But yeah, so that, that's my thought on Mike McCarthy. <laughs> I don't think he's gonna be our long-term option there and we know Jerry he has he has a bad uh history with head coaches he wants someone that's gonna not take the spotlight away from him gonna sit there and listen to what he wants him to hear and um yeah so I I I hope they do something something else get someone young in there and uh but he's gonna be around for a little while
1: I think you're right. They may. Who knows? I mean, things, many things can happen. In Jerry Jones' house, you never know what's going to end up happening. We've seen it many a times. When you think a certain player is going to stay there, he gets rid of them. I mean, you, you look at your coach, same exact thing. He's there for now. I mean, who's not to say that maybe depending on how the season starts, if Dallas goes 0-4, would Mike McCarthy still be there? I mean, there, there's so many different variables when it comes to the Cowboys this year. I know they're making – You know, some pretty good signings. We're going to see what they do in the draft. Um, Usually do pretty well in the draft as well. We know it, obviously, in the NFC's. But it's going to be interesting to see what Dallas is going to end up doing. So, I don't know. He may not hang around. So, Jose, I'm not not too sure if, if, uh, obviously, being from Arizona, if you're much of a Dallas fan or not. But uh, as far as for you, in, in your own opinion, Mike McCarthy, yes or no when it comes to the Cowboys?
2: Um, Angel, I speak as uh, someone who uh, grew up as a Packers fan. Watching Mike McCarthy, I can tell you this. Um, After losing to Seattle numerous times in the playoffs, I started questioning whether or not this this was the front office's fault or was it Mike McCarthy's fault. And I've come to the conclusion that it was a combination of both. But after a while, it was clear and obvious that Mike McCarthy and uh, w- was starting to starting to see a rift between him and Aaron Rodgers. Now, right. I know Aaron Rodgers isn't the most likable person in the world. I mean, he's not; he's by no means an absolute jerk. But there is there is a it's when you're when you have Aaron Rodgers as as a player and you're the head coach, most of the time it it, it a lot he gets a lot of he gets a lot of more pull in ways that you don't as the head coach. So I don't know what what Matt Lafleur is doing there, but obviously it's working for the moment. It was clearly not working after a while with Mike McCarthy, and Mike McCarthy's play calling was was suspect as well. wait into the season, like I was an intern for the local uh, flagship flagship station of the Cardinals here, right. going into going when Steve Wilkes was the head coach of the Cardinals that one year, um, going into Lambeau, they were playing the Cardinals were playing the Packers in Lambeau. That I believe was the second or third win the Cardinals had the entire season and I was watching that game now I wasn't upset at the Cardinals being being a guy who lives here but I was upset at the play calling and the decisions and and the overall scheme that Mike McCarthy had presented and it was it was I was not surprised that he was fired afterwards now going into now going into Dallas that does not surprise me that he went to Dallas that he took the job there because that was Jerry that had Jerry Jones hands likely all over it. Jerry obviously has to be in control of everything. And he thinks he's, he he knows what he's doing. Now, I'm not I'm not saying I could do my job better than him, but there's a lot of things where Jerry Jones is not doing a good job. And hiring a guy like Mike McCarthy who with the play act with the play calls that he's had with Dallas in this in the time that he's been there that's not the right decision. That's not the right guy for the job. Um, I would have liked to have seen Eric Bieniemy take the position as head coach instead. Give that guy some. Give that guy his due. I mean, yes, we've uh, you probably we've probably talked you've probably talked about Eric Bieniemy several times as well as 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 has the overall media. I mean, the guy definitely deserves a shot at becoming the head coach. But um, I would have rather seen somebody else besides Mike McCarthy take the job in Dallas because. It was clear after a while that he's lost the lustre that he had when he led the when he helped lead the Packers to the 2010 Super Bowl and win it. And I watched that game. Uh, so to see to to go from that game all the way to what happened in his final season with Green Bay, um, I don't think I don't I think Mike McCarthy is past. I think Mc, I think he's past the head coaching stage. He's more of the he's if he's gonna be a coach. Uh, from here on out, it's likely going to have to be as a coordinator because there are just some people after a while who are coordinator as best as, as they can do, and I think McCarthy's in that position right now. But good luck trying to convince uh, Jerry Jones of that.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're you're hitting all points, and that is absolutely true. And and before I again, I get to Ryan here, which he knows tons about cassette tapes because that's the kind of era that we were we're in also some eight tracks that both you guys probably definitely want to know about that one but sherman does so if you want to look at eight tracks go back and take a look at those that's when you used to go in the card so my dad had a 76 impala right and so if, if you've never seen one think of the double-sized version of a cassette tape in about that long and you pop it in and you had four channels click 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 and that's how you find basically your, your next song so um one thing is you mentioned, Jose, you said you have your or your dad has some public enemy and an ACDC cassette somewhere in the garage.
2: Yeah, he's got a, he's, he still keeps his cassettes like he really likes a uh, public enemy. He likes the old school hip hop stuff like uh, Tribe Called Quest, um, those guys. Um, yeah, he has. Yeah, I think the album is a uh, I, I, uh, I think it's called Fear of a Black Planet. That's the album he has on cassette. He also has Back in Black on cassette. And it's funny because one uh, of one of my, one of my uh, Christmas gifts that he got for me was a uh, black was back in black on a CD. So to go from a cassette to CD, obviously there's the there's the time difference and there's like the generation gap. But he right. still has the original he still has the original back in black on cassette.
1: <laughs> well, that's interesting. So. Right, of course, we talked a little. Eagles, we talked a little bit, of course, about Dallas here, and I'm going to flip it back to you because throughout the week here, we've been talking about uh, as far as the Eagles, and we just talked about them switching down here to number 12 spot. You, you stated that uh, to me as as we normally talk every day, is that the Eagles are in the same place as they were last year? So I, I want you to kind of touch up on that because we can get, of course, the viewers and the listeners to to get caught up in our conversation. So. What do you mean exactly where the Eagles were? I know what you mean, but the viewers may not know what you mean as far as like where they stand today at the same place where they were last year.
3: Last year they draft Jalen Hurts. And it really puts a cog into everything. Wentz's confidence at shot. He's looking over his shoulder. What the hell is going on? The whole nine yards. We saw how that year, we saw how this last year played out. It was a complete disaster, okay? Then behind the scenes, it comes out that Lori believes in Hurts. He wants Hurts to be the quarterback. All these different things are coming out, the whole relationship between Wentz and Peterson. And, you know, Lori's pulling the strings and this, that, and the other thing. And then everything seems to die down a little bit. Wentz goes to Indianapolis. Everybody, like, is washing their hands clean now and fresh start or whatnot. And everything just seems to be calming down just a little bit. And then all this blows up over the last five, six days. If you believe in Hurts that much, why are you trying to draft up to get your Zach Wilson? Why are you trying to trade up to draft another quarterback? You already signed Flacco as the backup. That, right. that should be enough. For, what do you think that's going to do? Hurts is now going to be, and I, I don't get me wrong, he's been through the gamut at Alabama and Oklahoma. But now Jalen Hurts is Carson Wentz this year. You know, and it it to, to, to find out, hey, these guys, it's my team. It's you know, I it's you know, I got the owner back in me, and you know, and then it comes out that ownership in the coaching staff may not be really sold on Jalen Hurts. I said this last week. You have to wait and see what happens because Jalen Hurts has now become Carson Wentz this year. And now you have to see how it plays out in the locker room. So to trade down, as Philadelphia Eagles fans, you want to know how he's thinking? Are they stockpiling for maybe a bigger move on draft day along Mm -hmm. down the line? Are they going to make a big move? Are they waiting to see what happens with Deshaun Watson? You know, you don't know. But it just didn't make sense to me that if there was all this believe in Hurts, that it came out that they were actually trying to trade up to get Wilson, what sense does it make? It just didn't make any sense to me. So, you know, and now all the pundits and everybody are saying that Jalen Waddle is going to fall all the way down to number 12 and that the Eagles are going to wind up taking Jalen Waddle. I don't think he's going to fall to 12, not after that pro day that he had. You know, Justin Fields is going to get taken high. Everybody's talking about Justin Fields' and Trevor Lawrence are like neck and neck now, even though the Jags will probably take Trevor Lawrence. And now they're talking that the Jets are are probably going to take Justin Fields. I just have a feeling that now the Eagles are going to lay low. They're going to wait close to draft day. Um, They're going to try. I think they're going to try and, I just think they're stockpiling all these picks for maybe something potentially big, but Knowing what Howie Roseman goes through his head sometimes, who knows? And that's why Fuji gets so frustrated because he just – what are they thinking? You know, what are they trying to do? You can't really sort of like, you know, put your finger on the pulse of anything. And then let me get to just real quick what Austin was saying about Dallas and Mike McCarthy. Has any coach over the last 25 years been the answer? (laughs) No. You know why? Because of the idiot up in the skybox. I've said this for years and years and years and years and years. Until that man is gone, Cowboy fans can forget it. And you hear it every year. You hear it every year. Oh, this is the year, and Jerry's doing this, and I care about the fans. Jerry, if you come across this podcast, I'm I'm begging you, begging you at this point, sell the team or get somebody in there that, and I've also said this for years, Austin, is the fact that why can't you be an owner like Robert Kraft? Why can't you be an owner like the Roonies? Why can't you be like the Packers ownership? Or when Pat Bowen owned the Broncos, just hire top-notch football people across the board. Stay out of everybody's business. Let them do their job and just sit back and reap the benefits. But he can't do it. He won't do it. He'll never do it after the whole Jimmy Johnson thing. When Jimmy Johnson got all that credit, it's been going on for years. Jimmy Johnson's not in the ring of honor, guys. He's not in the Dallas Cowboys ring of honor. So that's got to tell you how Jerry really feels about Jimmy and how that went down. I'm sorry. But it's is Mike McCarthy the answer? No. But nobody's going to be the answer because it's going to take – Jerry's always going to get somebody in there to be his puppet. I said it before, when you when you when you aggravate Bill Parcells after three years where he's just like, No, I'm gone, I'm out, I'm not, I'm not doing this. And he took him to the playoffs two out of three years. When you run Bill Parcells off after only a three year stint, you know you got the issue. And that's the way it's always been. Yeah, and, and actual- But Jerry
4: will never admit that, like you said, he nothing's gonna change with him. And Jerry needs all the credit and that's why it's going to be extremely tough for anything to change within that organization, and like you said, you brought up how every year somehow the Cowboys find themselves in Super Bowl conversation. Like I, I don't know, I don't know how, um, but it is just that logo and it's just that brand and it's Jerry's shield and he's gonna he's gonna go down with it if <laughs> if it doesn't give him all of the credit. He, he doesn't want to hear it, so that's a very good now, point and, in there.
3: <laughs> and I'll say this, Angel, and this, this is what, <laughs> as a former Cowboys fan, everybody that knows me sort of knows the story of how I became a Chiefs fan, but if you have the ability to sink your own money into a stadium, a brand-new stadium, some, right? some of your own money, and then you raise the money for almost a $2 billion stadium, you're going to tell me you don't have the money to just hire top-notch football people across the board or sure sign don't. the big contracts like Dak? Why don't you dish out some of that money to like a head coach like Mike Tomlin or an Eric Bieniemy, or hire top-notch football people like an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, scouting, general manager, just sit in your office. Don't say it. Just, but he's never going to do it. He's always got to have the hands in the cookie jar and – He's it, it, it. This is just the way it's going to be until he either goes away and he'll never go away or, you know, God forbid, I never wish anything bad on anybody. But, you know, when he passes on and he hands it down to his children, maybe Stephen and his daughter, you know, maybe his son and his daughter will run the organization differently. I don't know. But the sad part about it is the Cowboys are relevant financially. But in the football aspect of it, in the NFL, the Cowboys aren't diddly. They're not. I gave you the fact before we went on, before we started to do the show. Since Dallas last made the Super Bowl in 95-96, there's only three other teams in the NSC that haven't made it besides them. Detroit, Minnesota, and Washington. <laughs> and Minnesota hasn't made the Super Bowl since 76-77. <laughs> so there's only four teams. In the last 25 years. And Jerry still thinks they're relevant football-wise. It it just makes me laugh. It just makes me laugh as a former fan because you rip your hair out. You know, and Jose might, this, might notice as a Green Bay Packer fan, every year, you know, they were playing Seattle. This is the year we're going to beat them. This is the year we're going to beat them. We got it this year because we have the personnel. And what normally happened? Something happened toward the end of the game where they – they eventually lost but with Dallas you hear it every year. Oh, this 2000, what was it? 2000 2007-2008 2000, Cowboys were 13 and 3 heading into the playoffs. You know, they might not have beaten the Patriots in the Super Bowl that year. 13 and 3. What a roster. They get the bye week. The Giants come knocking on the door. They're 9 and 7. They're the wild card team. They're playing fantastically. The defense was on fire. Dallas loses. And I'll say after that game, they've never really been the same since. They haven't been the same team since. So thanks for firing me up, Angel.
1: <laughs> oh, not a problem whatsoever. <laughs> it, it, it's just, unfortunately, it's the way it works. It, it's, it, it's it's as simple to say that. The reason why, truthfully, why Dallas sucks, until they get rid of Jerry Jones, that's the way it's going to be. If you have the money, you're absolutely right. You should be spending that money on people that matter. But Jerry Jones wants to control everything. He wants to be the head coach. He wants to be assistant coach. He wants to be the lineman's coach. He wants to be everything. And until he gets over that and over his own ego, Dallas is going to suck. Period. That's just
0: it. Can I just chime in with one thing? Sure, go ahead. I really wish – that the Dallas Cowboys had beaten the New York Giants in Week 17 last year. Just so when the Philadelphia Eagles tanked that game against the DCU team, which we call the former Washington Redskins, we'd be able to stick it to Dallas more than the Giants. Now listen, as bad as the Cowboys were, first of all, they were better than the Eagles. We were in last place. So people would be like, hey, like, great, flex your muscles. Like you have a better draft pick, and the Eagles screwed that up because now Dallas has a better – draft pick than the Eagles but as bad as Dallas was they were one quarter away from beating the Giants in that game to the point where had the Eagles found a way to win that game against the Washington football team it would have been Dallas in the playoffs hosting a game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers it's just the way that things work listen Dak Prescott is signed for a lot of money And I get it. He's a good quarterback, and quarterback is the most important position in professional sports. But Dallas Cowboys, just like the Philadelphia Eagles, have so many holes to fill. And I would just think that spending some of that money on defense and defense wins championships. Just look at what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did this past year, along with some guy named Tom Brady, right? But they really needed to shore up their defense. And all this money that they're putting in Dak Prescott, I'm not confident that that's
3: the answer. You know, and, I, and I'll also say this because, you know, Jose knows this because of being a Packers fan. You know, you're not going to make it to the Super Bowl every year. I mean, I know it seemed like the Patriots did, but they didn't. But I would rather have year in and year out, like the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, I would rather have them year in and year out, be competitive, have a decent to good team, a good team, make the playoffs every year, and at least make a run. I mean, I know the Packers only won the one Super Bowl with Mike McCarthy there. And, you know, but at least they won one Super Bowl. At least they have that to hang their hat on. But I'd rather have my team be competitive like that, just like when Andy Reid was in Philly. Yes, they made five NFC championship games. Yes, they only made one Super Bowl. You know, yes, I know they lost a the Super Bowl. What organization out there wouldn't take that kind of success, even though you didn't win a Super Bowl? I know you keep getting close and you haven't won it but at least your team is in the mix every year to get to NFC championship games. The Dallas Cowboys can't even get out of their own way most of the time. And even with the Dak Prescott signing, and I've I've watched what they've done in free agency. If they don't fix that defense, it's going to be just the same as it was last year. And if they get the defense, even if they're a top 15 defense with the way that division is, Yes, they'll be in the mix to win the division. But the way the defense is and the way Mike McCarthy is you know, now you now you see sort of why Aaron Rodgers didn't want Mike McCarthy there anymore. I just don't think Mike McCarthy in today's NFL relates to what it was when he first got hired as the Packers head coach. Even back when they won the Super Bowl and what was it, 2010, 2011? Is that what it was? Ten eleven season? Um I think he related a little bit more just because of the offensive guru thing. And I think, you know, everything was hunky-dory when it started. But obviously the marriage, you know, soured, you know, toward the end there. And I just don't think that – I just don't think he has the um, the ability to, to relate to the players. And even with Andy Dalton last year, they still had Zeke. They still had the receivers. You know, they still – and it was just, you know, that, that defense couldn't stop a cold.
1: Good lord. Well, <clears throat> I'm gonna say that the uh at least Austin has been introduced formally tonight. He's getting bashed by, of course, the Eagles organization, but it's fine because that's the way it works, and he'll deal with it throughout the year. Maybe you know, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening with Dallas. But it, of course, it, it's all a good but you're right, you hit it on every point. And Sherman, it, it's the same thing. It could be seen, same same could be said about the Eagles. So <clears throat> there's a lot of work to be done. In the entire NFC East. It's I mean, it's it's like that. The Giants. Who knows what the Giants are to do this year. So it's going to be this year. I said it last year it's going to be interesting because of COVID. This year it's going to be interesting because of the actual drafts because I think finally we can stop kind of weaning away a little bit from COVID and we'll see exactly what ends up, uh, what ends up happening next. Who knows? It's, it's going to be great. So kind of switching gears here. And Sherman, I know you said that 2-1 for the Blackhawks at the end of the second period. But more importantly, Zaga, what was our final?
0: Uh, The final score was 83 to 64. And for those who like entertainment, I believe Gonzaga was favored by eight and a half points. So 83 minus 64 is 19. So for everyone who decided to uh, enjoy the entertainment, the extra entertainment and um, pick the Gonzaga team, who's undefeated this year, they just keep rolling. As Ryan and I have talked off air, this is Gonzaga Bulldogs tournament to lose. At this point,
1: you're right, and and listen, just as we talked about what it was at or Roberts, who saw by any means Gonzaga many years ago making run after run after run. So I, you're right; it it could be for Gonzaga to lose. So we're going to switch gears now, of course, over to baseball because we know these again. Your Phillies are back home. I think they got one more spring training before the actual regular season starts. I I don't think. They will do the usual when they go around and meet and greet the fans on opening day. I think that that'll kind of go away again, thanks to COVID. They have to keep the players safe. So, <clears throat> Sherman, we know and we hope to expect for the Phillies. And, and I'm not, and, and forgive me, everybody, if I forgot what the starting lineup was, but I know we had our own projected starting lineup. Do we feel the projected starting lineup that we came up with last week? Will be close to what Girardi put down there. Or are we all going to be kind of surprised? coming, I guess tomorrow when he when he decides what the starting lineup is going to be
0: in. I don't think there's going to be any major surprises with the lineup that Girardi puts together. I know that we had a spirited conversation last week about Harper potentially leading off, Hoskins potentially leading off and putting some other guys up and down the lineup into four, five, and six positions. But I think that Girardi is going to stick to his guns. He's going to put McCutcheon into one spot. He's a trusted person in that spot. Personally, I don't like him in that spot, but he had a pretty good spring. I think he hit over 300. Reese Hoskins will most likely be in the two spot. Bryce Harper, your best hitter to break it up. Righty, lefty, righty you will be in the three spot. And then you'll probably put a JT at four and at five and then DD at six. That's I don't think there's going to be any major surprises with what Girardi does. And that's the problem that I have. I think that Girardi needs to do some things to surprise all of the loyal Philadelphia fans that are out there. I'm thinking the Phillies are a fourth place team this year at 77 and 85. There's too much stock being put in to Zach Eflin thinking that he's going to be a Cy Young candidate. Like yeah. he's not a he's not a true number three starter. Has he pitched some great gems in the past? Absolutely, but that doesn't mean that you're automatically a 17-game winner next year. And this debacle that they have in center field this year, I get it. Odubo Herrera is not on the roster, and I have zero problems with that. But between Kingery, who's now in the minors, and it's Adam Hazley every day in center field, I don't know how much stock we put in him. Hopefully, he'll have a hot bat. There's just too many questions mark, question marks with this team. I don't like the bench. I don't like the fact that JoJo Romero was starting as uh, – in the minor leagues. He's another left-handed arm that they could have in the pen. And they're in a really competitive division with the Atlanta Braves, the New York Mets, the Miami Marlins, and the Washington Nationals this year. So I guess we'll see what happens because their first 13 games, I believe, are all against the Braves and the Mets. So yeah. if they falter early, they can fall out of this race pretty quick.
1: Yeah, they sure can. And before I get to Jose with the Arizona Diamondbacks here, because I'm interested to hear uh, as far as the Diamondbacks, what the capacity is and what he expects out of the Arizona Diamondbacks. So Ryan – I know you're not maybe a major Phillies fan. We understand it. But backing up as far as what Sherman stated, where do you feel the Phillies will fall this year as far as in the division, whether being first, which I don't think, or I do think all of us can agree that the Phillies will not finish on the top of the division unless everyone happens to tank. So where do you feel where the Phillies would end up falling in as far as in the division this year?
3: I mean, everybody's picking them toward the bottom of the division. Um, I don't see anything to deter (laughs) me. Um, from that, especially with what uh, Sherman was saying, and you know, and I agree with Sherman. You know, if this this is just how I've always been. If if you've got the team that you just sort of know what you have, but in the end, you you, you want to see how it goes for a while. Right. At some point, you just got to start mixing things up and surprising, and start tinkering and doing different things because you see it in the NFL all the time and sometimes basketball. You know, NBA, they, they tinker with lineups sometimes if it's not working. And then in football, they, they might tinker and stuff like that. So, you know, Girardi is going to have to try it. If, if, if it starts off well enough, leave it alone for a while, see how it goes. But if, if they really find themselves on the, you know, outside looking in, then I agree with Sherman. You, you're going to have to start taking chances and surprising some teams with lineups um, just to mix it up, just to give the other team a hey, um, we didn't really expect that today. Now, you know, you, you, you sort of want to have them tailor to what you're trying to do instead of the other way around. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with Sherman. At some point, you're going to have to just start you don't have to do it every day, but every once in a while, just throw a cog into it. You know I mean? Make, make, make other teams think about it a little bit, if you know what I mean.
1: No, true. I agree with, with, with what was said. Good Lord, if I can put all those W's together. So no, I I completely agree. I don't see again, third at best. I think I've, I've talked about it so far. We'll see. Cause I mean, so many things can happen come opening day. I mean, we hope that the injury bug goes away from Philadelphia because we've seen it, that whether it's, Sixers, Eagles, Flyers, Phillies, the beginning of our season never goes the way that we want it to. So hopefully the injury bug, maybe we can go over to Jersey and Giants and everybody else can kind of get it that way because Lord knows. And Sherman, I know you want to talk about the number 17. We're going to serve that, save that for Thursday because that, that'll be some good, interesting talk as far as what's going to happen on, on 17. Because I know, Ryan, you told me that the Chiefs play in Philly. Is that week seventeen?
3: No, actually, the week 17 game for the Chiefs this year with the addition of week 17 there, they actually had the Packers. It's Packers okay. at Arrowhead for the last That's game of the year. So well, the Chiefs, I know. You know, they, they haven't stated which I think the Chiefs might play the Eagles in at the link. I think it might be October. It's like October 17th or something like that. But I believe it's sometime in October.
0: As far as I know, the NFL schedules have not come out. So even though there's 17 weeks and the Eagles will be playing the Jets this year and Kansas City will be playing the Packers, I don't think that that's necessarily going to be reserved for week 17. Uh, Historically, I believe in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken, the last week of the season are normally games that are played within the division if I'm not mistaken.
3: Well, what, what I from what I saw online, Sherm, is the added game, the very last game of the year, is the Eagles playing the Jets. So I don't know. And when I, and when I looked at the Chiefs' schedule, you know, they, they haven't set everything up, but they give you the, the teams they play at home, the teams they play away, and then they give you, like, the, 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 the added game. And the added game at the end of the year for the Chiefs is the Packers. It's at Arrowhead. And I believe the Eagles are playing the Jets, but I can't remember if it's in Philly or if it's up in New York.
0: All the games are in the AFC stadiums this year. I know that for a fact. But, like, oh, my goodness, if that ends up being an AFC-NFC battle week 17, that's absolutely terrible for ratings because of the fact that you don't want a potential Super Bowl matchup to be played in week 17. Yeah,
1: that's true.
0: You have to dump that somewhere else within your schedule. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. You don't want to see Kansas City and the Packers with potentially some of their scrubs playing because of the fact that they've already wrapped up their divisions only to play in the Super Bowl a couple weeks later. I, I'm pretty sure that the NFL will find a way to keep the division matchups in Week 17.
3: I misunderstood. I thought you were being sarcastic. I thought you were talking about the Eagles-Jets being a potential Super Bowl match. No, not
0: the, not the, not the Eagles-Jets, Eagles but you talk about Kansas City and the Packers? Like, that could be a potential Super Bowl next year. I mean, uh, I know it's too early to say, no, Eagles-Jets, forget about it. The Eagles are going to be terrible next year, and so are the Jets. And even if the Eagles beat the Jets next year in that game, even if they win, they lose because of the fact that that'll bump them back a little bit further with their draft. Status, so you might as well tank that game against the Jets because they're not going anywhere anytime soon.
3: <laughs>
1: no, that's true. And Austin, I guess it uh, for Week 17. Who is uh, Dallas's matchup?
4: Right now, they got them going to New England, so it does look like it's going to be that those two divisions. So I hope they keep the division round. It that that's electric for the last se- or last week of the season. So I don't see why they change that, like you guys said, but. Sure, you're going to talk more about that on Thursday, um, but yeah, I really hope they don't do that. <laughs> don't move that division around. They're going to go ahead with 17 games. Give the
2: give the teams an extra bye week. While you're at it, just take away just take away another week from the preseason. Yeah, that that makes uh, that makes sense to me.
1: I
3: think uh, they should get rid of preseason all together. If you really want to make it easy on the players. Just don't even have preseason anymore. It doesn't make sense. You know, the preseason, really, what the preseason, all it really was for, to be quite honest with you, when you look backward over the years, it was for all the second team, the third team, and the potential fourth team. That's really what it was for. You know, and what I, you know, I, I was telling this to Sherm uh, earlier in the day. What I'm afraid with the added 17th game is, other than the bye week of players getting rest, you're going to have players come up with phantom illnesses, phantom injuries that they might want to sit out another game and not play because the players already have said to play the season the way it is, is taxing. Now to add another game. And what would kind of suck is let's say a lot of, you know how it is now, guys, at the end of the year, if, you know, if they sort of had things wrapped up, and you know who's going to the playoffs. They already have some players sitting. Well, who's to say some of the other players? You might have the playoffs on the line. You might have a couple guys say to hell with it. I'm going to sit because we need to rest too. So I'm just interested to see how the NFL is going to handle all this with the added extra game. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. I think the 16-game schedule was fine. Right. Um, I'm actually – an added proponent of, and I know a lot of people disagree with me, but this is just the way I think. If if you're going to go to a 17th game and you're going to go to like three card teams, I wouldn't even have divisions anymore. Just have an AFC, an NFC. You take the top, what is it? One, two, three, you talk, take the top seven teams, you know, you sort of keep the rivalries there intact and whatnot, but I just, it's, it's starting to take away from the luster of what the regular season used to be i mean that that's just my opinion
1: that's true and Jose, you brought up a good point because there was talk actually of uh eliminating two of the preseason games and actually giving the players an extra bye week now i don't know why that fell through and and who knows it came it could possibly come up with discussion again but the players felt like that was at least a fair shot for them that they can get two bye weeks and, and why not if your team God forbid because, again, I'll start with the Eagles because we have not started well the last three years in week one. But let's just say if you get an early bye week. So let's go with week four, you get the first bye week. Then you get another late one come week 12. Two bye weeks are better where you can get your players at least healthy to make that playoff push if that's where you are. So I'm agreeing with you. It, it would be nice to see if actually if they would minimize two preseason, two preseason games and then add that extra bye week.
0: This is but almost I, good. This is almost going to turn into like a youth organization basketball league where every single player on the team has to play for a certain amount of minutes. And trust yeah. me, Talking about last one pick, right? I am definitely a classic last one pick person when it comes to being an athlete. So I was that person who got into the game with maybe 38 seconds left to go in the game. And, like, you know, there was no way that I was getting my hands on that basketball. I'm just running up and uh, and down the court. But these paid professionals getting all this money, that's bad. Trust me. If the Philadelphia Eagles have to start Joe Flacco in a game, they're in trouble. Austin and Dallas, I don't even know who the backup is in Dallas anymore because of the fact that Andy Dalton is now starting for the Bears talk about a dumpster fire team the Bears they're in trouble how they even made the playoffs last year and this all ties together because it was an Arizona choke last year how Arizona did not make the playoffs and how Chicago did make the playoffs last year but Austin I will ask who is the backup to Dak Prescott this year I believe
4: right now it is Ben DiNucci
0: Ben DiNucci still okay yes And Jose, yeah. I would love to know. Being in Arizona, and I know you're a Packers fan, can you just talk about yeah. how how I rate the fans were in Arizona last year when Arizona seemed to have things locked up to get into the playoffs, and then just let it all slip through their fingers and let the Bears get in? Uh,
2: it was it was pretty disappointing. The feeling around here was um, was one of uh, frustration for sure. Um, it was around this point that like the offense started to stagnate. Um, I mean, the de- you had players on defense there that, that clearly they're there. They know what they can do. Like Chandler Jones is consistent through and through. Even when he's get, even though he's getting older, he may not have the same may not have the same power that he did maybe a couple of years ago. He can still play. Um, the linebacker the linebacker core uh, could use some work, but and they're definitely going to need it in the draft now that Hassan Reddick is gone. Um, but um, yeah, I remember it was, a, I believe it was, uh, it was the one game the Cardinals had on Amazon Prime. Throughout the entire game, the defense was doing everything it could to sustain the Cardinals to keep them in the game, and the offense just kept sputtering and sputtering. Now, how much of that was on the players themselves, and how much of that was on uh, Cliff Kingsbury and you know, like some of his play calling? Um, I can't say for sure, but I do know for a fact that afterwards there was a lot of criticism leveled towards uh, Kingsbury for certain calls he he should have made. And especially going down all the way to the final game of the season when they were visiting the Rams in L.A., that was their last chance. That was their very last chance to get in, and they could have possibly gotten in, but I was watching that game. Even with an injured Kyler Murray, they were still trying to keep themselves in because the Rams— they were down to their backup as well, John Wolford, who, by the way, was a quarterback here in Arizona for uh, the short-lived AAF Arizona Hotshots. So we were a little bit familiar with him and what he could do. And this guy, he was keeping the ball on options and making defenders look silly. I, I, I they were making a guy from the AFF look like he had been playing for years. Look like he was just look like mm-hmm. second, second coming of like Aaron Rodgers, like. He, the way he was scrambling and keeping the ball at times. For whatever reason, the defense didn't seem to have an answer for that. And then when they brought in a guy who, Chris Streber, who was really only known for being a guy who kept the ball as a quarterback and ran in the CFL, that guy wasn't that guy clearly wasn't doing what uh, – that guy clearly wasn't the answer himself. So the offensive inconsistency late down the stretch is what really became a hassle for fans and what was really average. average Aggravating, sorry, <laughs> aggravating for them to watch, especially when Cliff is supposed to be such an offensive minded genius, and that doesn't help the fact that there is still criticism towards Cliff Kingsbury that he lost his way into this job. So if he's supposed to unlock the potential in guys like Kyler Murray and Chris Stravler, but clearly that didn't happen at all. Kyler Murray obviously he he he, he had he should be taking a step forward. I have all the confidence that he is going to be taking a step forward because he is, without a doubt, a young star in this league. But play calling that what we saw down the stretch from the offensive side of the ball, that cannot be tolerated going forward because you have the Cardinals that were this close, like you said, Sherm, going into the playoffs. They could not capitalize that on whatsoever. And to put it poignantly, maybe a bit crassly, from one of these guys on YouTube that I enjoy watching who does football, he says the Bears drunkenly stumbled into the playoffs. And for a lack of a better term, lack of a better description, I think, that, I think that perfectly sums up what happened with the Bears because the Cardinals laid a big old fat egg late into the season.
1: And see, now, now I'm getting fired up here as far as when it comes to football season because not only, again, do we have – Austin Kiefer representing the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> from the Kiefer household. And by the way, you can find them on Kieferhousehold.org. That is It's humongous. So you guys want to look them up Kieferhousehold.org, and you can find them there and big, big organization, but uh, no, because Jose Solis, the great thing is not only do we have a Packers fan, but we have the man himself in Arizona that can give us pretty much all the lowdown and the rundown with goes on in Arizona. So, Boy, Jose, I I can't wait for for the season to kick off because it's going to be a critical turning point when it comes to you and and reporting from you know at least from both ends because you'll be able to hear both things going on. So it's going to be really interesting. Um, Yeah. Before I oh, matter of fact, two things before I I I don't forget. One is NASCAR. Ryan, remind me that one. Sherman, number two would be your uh, road trip with the Phillies. And then, Jose, before uh, we get wrapped up with the last two questions here, so the Arizona Diamondbacks, we know the opening season is only two days away. What is the latest when it comes to the Diamondbacks? Are they able to go at full capacity, or are they only going about 15 to 20%? So uh, Chase Field can allow around more or
2: less uh, 48,000-and-a-half-ish fans at full capacity. So initially they were only going at 25%. um, they just announced uh, about like I'd say four hours ago that um, they're going to allow at least twenty thousand fans for opening day, which is around forty-one percent capacity. So they they have allowed they have allowed more fans for the season. Um, they're gonna have to be really responsible for that because being a guy who just got his first uh, vaccination today, um, I've been I've been here. I was in college. I was. When COVID struck, I was in my last semester of college and being part of the student news team, uh, co- covering covering Arizona and seeing all the cases spike. It was really disconcerting, very disheartening to see that happen in, in such a and in, in, to be in the condition that the state was. So I really hope the Diamondbacks know what they're doing and being careful and more importantly responsible and cautious about this. Um, I understand that we as a nation are getting closer to it, and thank goodness that we are to uh, fixing it. But you can't you can't be you can't you can't call it too early. Otherwise we're ju- otherwise we're just jumping the shark here. So yeah, around 41% full capacity. So I just really hope the fans and the and the franchise as a whole are very cautious about this.
1: Well, I'm pretty sure they will because I don't think anybody wants to see anything going backwards. We hear, of course, that there's the fourth version of the virus and all the good fun stuff. I don't like to talk about it because I'm tired. I'm up to here with Corona nonsense. So that that's just me personally, the way I feel, hopefully no one take offense to it. Cause I don't know, we live in a whole different society, but again, I'm, I'm done with the whole, the whole thing of it. So we'll see, but I don't think anybody in all actuality and seriousness, I don't think, any of the fans, any of the players obviously don't want anything to revert backwards. So I'm hoping that everyone will still at least play it safe. If you need to wear your mask, wear your mask, wash your hands, all the good fun stuff, because that will allow us to be here doing what we do to have fun, to watch the teams do what they do. So let's hope everyone takes it serious. But Ryan, before I get to Sherman and his Phillies road trip, Bristol, a complete and utter disaster. I think we talked about this as well uh, back and forth this week. I don't understand why in the world would they bring dirt to probably one of the most iconic venues in Bristol, Tennessee, which is that bowl where they normally end up racing. So I'm, just, I'm going to ask you, what in the world was NASCAR thinking bringing dirt into Bristol?
3: I, you know, I don't know if some of the drivers after the race or, you know, some of the so-called experts were just trying to put a twist on it. But it, I just, at this point, you know, I've been watching, you know, I'm a lot older than you guys. I'm 52. I'll be 53 this year. I've been watching NASCAR since I was seven years old. That's when my cousin took me to my first race up at Pocono. Um, And they took a product that worked fantastically for how many years, you know, and after Dale Earnhardt died, unfortunately, in the 2001, they turned 500, then they tinkered with it. They came up with the chase and all these different things and it just drove everybody away. What they were thinking with dirt at Bristol, Bristol, I have no idea. You would think that if you're gonna have a dirt race at Bristol, you would put dirt track cars on the track, (laughs) instead of the regular cars that Goodyear brought a specific tire to run it, but they didn't expect the dust. They kept trying to water down the track. They didn't expect all the weather that they had. It was just, if they do it again, it's all the old timers are rolling around in a grave angel because it just doesn't make any sense what the hierarchy is trying to do anymore with the sport. You know, I don't know if, they're trying to get other people to to come to watch again. I know we're in the middle of the pandemic or whatnot, but NASCAR was struggling way before the pandemic hit. And I've I've said for years that if they just go back to the way racing was in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, just go back right. to those rules, go back to the point system, you know, just revert back to the way it was. I think the fans will come back. But I next thing they know, they'll Dump olive oil all over Daytona and Talladega and have the cars drive around on olive oil. I mean, I, I don't know what they're going to think of next, but yesterday was, I know some people enjoyed it, but I, when I was watching it, I was just like, I, I don't know what I'm watching. It just, it just didn't belong.
1: No, it sure didn't. And I will tell you this much as being a NASCAR fan of myself and, and we're only about two years apart. So you're not much older than, you know, we are, maybe because Sherman just turned 22 not too long ago with his uh, spring break here. So he, he, he's going backwards. He's not going forwards. So that's a good thing about the, about Sherman there. So at the age of 22 Sherman can, he can relate with us, but when it comes to NASCAR, I don't, I don't, I don't like the staging. I think the staging is ridiculous and I can't stand it. And it's probably one of the reasons why I've kind of tuned out. I'll I'll watch as far as the updates to see what's going on and, and may be one of the things as well that we don't bring up too much on the show. I'm not a fan of the staging. I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. I love the way Talladega, Daytona, Bristol, the way they all ran beforehand. The Monster Mile, it was fantastic. Now you just look at it and it just it's a shame. It's a shame what NASCAR the product they put out there. It, to me, it makes absolutely no sense. But hopefully they will revert back. And and for those who don't know, by the way, so Austin did start in the go-kart series. And when he went on the go-kart series, his dad who's a major, major carpenter, actually put four round wheels in this old lawnmower that he used to have. So it was passed down by his father's father. And so these round wheels that they put on there, they made it like a little soapbox. And so Austin had a good career in a dirt series, but he decided that college obviously was a lot more important. So he decided to go into the college uh, bound part of his life and had to give up that part of it. So uh, you know Austin I like to share that story i I like to share it with him because know yeah, it's it's huge part of it. Again, Kieferhousehold.org it, you you'll learn everything about the Kiefer. So <laughs> I can't <laughs> ingest. But so of course Sherman, I would love to know <laughs> I would love to know your road trip when it comes to Phillies and, and heading up to Boston.
0: Okay. So I'm gonna premise this story with This is why when you book your Eagles, Phillies, Flyers, Sixers trips, you have to go with a reputable, fantastic company like our sponsor, Fans of Philly. Okay? Years ago, a couple friends of mine and I got in touch with this person who was organizing their own bus trip to Fenway Park in Boston to see the Philadelphia Phillies play at the Boston Red Sox. I had never been to the stadium before. I have a friend from college who lives up there. So I was like, I'm in. We took the bus trip up there. The bus trip was a little nuts. But to fast forward the story, there was a dinner before the night of the game. And we're sitting at the table eating dinner. And this guy walks around handing us tickets for the Phillies-Boston game only to find out that the person who organized the trip bought the tickets for the wrong game. (laughs) They bought the tickets for the Saturday. We were there Saturday night eating dinner. This guy bought the tickets for the Saturday afternoon game. And when we went to him saying, like, uh, the date is wrong on his ticket, he was like, yeah, no problem. Us 50 Phillies fans, there will be no problem getting into Fenway Park on a Sunday afternoon and exchanging the tickets. Are you out of your mind? Absolutely, (laughs) positively ridiculous. So that is why when you are booking a trip, To see the Phillies, the Flyers, the Sixers, or the Philadelphia Eagles go with fans of Philly. They know what they're talking about. They'll do a fantastic job. And we are 100% proud for them to be the official sponsor of Broad Street South.
1: Good segue into that one. So thank you so much, Professor. That is absolutely fantastic. And, of course, you guys and girls out there, if you do want to become a podcaster and or you are a broadcaster and you just want to craft your experience a little bit better, or you want to just get better in the profession. And there were, again, mm-hmm. even if you know someone who wants to do maybe voiceovers, reach out to John William Crichton, Vince Quinn, and John Marchard at Last Out Media. They are the first in Last outs. they love to say. LastOutMedia.com. Visit the website. Again, you can visit through BroadStreetSouth.com, just like you can with fans of Philly. Look for Last Out Media and anything that you want to learn about podcasting. If you want coaching experience, just like we do with John Marchard, we have a lot of fun every other Saturday. And this Saturday, hopefully we'll be back with them to have a little more fun. But again, Last Out Media, if you guys want to find out anything when it comes to the media industry, lastoutmedia.com is where you want to go. So, gentlemen, I'd like to thank you for coming on tonight. Of course, we are now an hour and 29 minutes into the show, so we're wrapping up the show here. And I will wrap it up with – DJ Bink Brizzy, also known as Mike West, with the new drop that he performed for us, and we thank you. And by the way, he will be making an appearance on the Thursday show, so that will be an interesting twist. So if you guys want to see and or hear possibly more on the Thursday show, please tune in this Thursday, 730. Jose Solis, I thank you, sir, so much for coming on with us. Congratulations again on your position. We appreciate it.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me, Angel. I'm glad I got to check this out and see what everything's all about here at the Broad Street South Sports Talk
1: Show. You're welcome. No problem. And, of course, to the guests in my green room here, I thank them very much. And, of course, Austin, we gave you a lot of you know, grief, rightfully so, because no matter what, Dallas still sucks, but whatever. you know, We'll just keep saying it until things change. But, Austin, thank you. And Of course, we look forward to seeing you a lot of times this season with us here at Broad Street
4: Thank you, Angel. I'm looking forward to it. And I can take all the smoke. I'm here to take it (laughs) because I'm going to give it back. So thanks for having me today. And I uh, really look forward to meeting with you guys more when I get back into Illinois and have my own computer and set up and uh, can have some long talks with you guys without having to mute back and forth, but it went well. So thank you for having me.
1: No problem. Thank you. And again, uh, if you guys want to learn again about the history of the keepers, Kiefer household.org. You won't miss it. Trust me. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun. So take a look at that one, Ryan. Thank you once again for filling in for filling in for Fuji. Now for those who don't know, now we've kept it pretty quiet. Fuji will be back in studio, not this week. So you guys will miss out. Ryan will be filling in for him again here, coming up on Thursday. We will have, by the way, Nicholas Lisi, our beat writer, which he's writing, by the way, article number two, check out his first article on broadstreetself.com. But Ryan, Fuji from, so just to let the cat out the bag. So Alaska is thinking about starting a field hockey team. And so we sent out Fuji out there to Alaska and hopefully Fuji, I know is probably going crazy because we talked so much as far as when it came to the Eagles and Harry Roseman. So um, I don't know. I'm hoping that he's having a lot of fun out there in Alaska. I know it's cold, but he'll give us some great insight on the field hockey team. But Ryan Neff, thank you so much for filling in.
3: We do appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate all you guys. I appreciate shout out to Gilbert, Arizona. And uh, I know uh, Austin, Illinois, lives in Illinois, but uh, shout out to, uh, well, looks like he logged off or he, he got cut off. The uh, LaCrosse, Wisconsin is one of my favorite cities in Wisconsin. So, but shout out to those gentlemen for coming on. It's fantastic hearing other people's stories and how everything's going. No, no.
1: we do appreciate it. Again, thanks for filling in. We, we really do appreciate it. So thanks a lot. Again, Jose, thank you. Sherman, of course. Thank you, sir. And I know we had to pull you out of spring break. And I'm so sorry that we had to pull you out. We're going to have to pull you out for one more day, though, this week. So just one more day, and then you'll be able to enjoy the rest of your spring break. But also, before I forget, could you please, for the podcast on the audio side, Plug the Mrs. website and or Facebook page so those who miss the Women's History Month show can go back and shop for something for their wife or girlfriend.
0: So my wife has a website, burksboutique.com. She sells predominantly plus-size clothing, but she has other sizes as well. She goes on live multiple times during the week, normally around 8 p.m., so check her out, burksboutique.com, B-U-R-K-E-S-B-O-U-T-I-Q-U-E.com. Check her out. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to have that plug. And by the next time we're on, hopefully the Philadelphia Phillies will be 1-0 after NOLA takes the hill against the Atlanta Braves.
1: Let's hope we'll see exactly what happens. So, everyone, enjoy the rest of your night. Of course, we will see you on Thursday evening. Once again, thanks to fansofphilly.com for being the sponsor of the show. If you guys want to reach out to fansofphilly.com, you can reach Joe at fansofphilly.com on his email and/or call once again 610-517-7171 to reach your fans of Philly and book your trip, whether it be in Boston, up to New York, or a future Eagles game. Same with the Flyers game. If you guys want to go out of time, go through fansofphilly.com. We do appreciate it. And again, we will leave you as we head out with the sounds from DJ Bink Brizzy, also known as Mike West, the intro. And now outro song of the audio side, and there will be more to come. So we'll see everyone Thursday night. Thanks everyone for listening it for listening in, and please again download it through iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Everyone have a great evening.